Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad that you're with us today as we continue our search for truth. That's what we do every Sunday. We're always looking for truth. We're looking for God's truth and how it can apply to our lives. And, and today we're going to continue in that as we wrap up a series we've been in over the past five weeks called Your Questions, Biblical Answers. And in this series, we're trying to answer some of the questions that our church family asked a number of months ago. We gave everybody an opportunity to ask any question they had about faith. We got a lot of questions turned in. And so what we did was we took those questions, we put them into categories, and we came up with the top five questions that our church family is asking. That's what we've been working our way through over the past number of weeks together. And we're going to wrap that up today. And actually, we were going to start a new series next week, but it's based upon some of the questions that you asked back in January. So let me tell you where we've been so far in this series. So in week number one, we answered this question. If God is loving, then why does he allow bad things to happen? Common question. Many people ask that question. And if you missed that, you can listen to it uh, in this, from this series uh, on our website at theepicchurch.com. Question number two, can we have faith and doubt or can we only have one or the other? And, and that's a question that uh, many of us wrestle with. Sometimes people of faith say, you know what, I have a few doubts, and so maybe that means I really don't have faith. Or somebody who uh, doesn't have faith, maybe they have doubts, they say, you know what, like, I don't think I'm allowed to have any faith because I have all these doubts. So is that true? Well, we answer that in week number two. Week number three, we answer the question, what happens after we die? Don't mean to be a downer this morning, but one day you're going to die. And the Bible says something happens next. It's super important for us to understand what happens next. And uh, the Bible actually says we can know that. So we explored that a little bit in week number three. And then last week, we explored how do we grow our faith? Now, just curious, how many of you went home, did a little weeding, maybe planted something at your house or watered something? Anybody like just feel prompted? Awesome. There's a few of you. So that was based upon what we were talking about last week. And last week, I like, was processing through this information that we had talked about, and I realized something. God is pruning me in several ways. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's super exciting when I hear that God is pruning you, but I don't really like it when God is pruning me. You know, it's not all that fun when, when it comes into my world. And so I was processing a, a few things with God, like, and why is this happening? What's going on? And he said, do you remember what you taught last Sunday? Like, yeah, that's for you too. Go. That's great. I thought it was just for my church family. Like, like no, like that applies to you. Um, so I've been walking through this, this process of being pruned and learning how to let God do that. So a very difficult process, but a very rewarding process at the very same time. Now, um, I've got some disclaimers uh, for what we're going to talk about today. So today we are going to talk about how to share our faith. So there were a number of you that said, like, hey, I have faith, but I want to share it with other people. I need to know specific Bible verses that can help me. I need to know, like, what do I do if I'm talking with somebody? They're real defensive about faith. And like, that never happens, right? Like, nobody's ever defensive or argumentative about faith. Uh, yeah, it happens all the time. So what can we do when we get into those moments? And some of you said, like, how do I talk with somebody who says, who says they once had faith? They once believed in God, but they don't believe in God anymore. Like, what do you do in those moments? Uh, so we're going to talk about that today as well and a few other things. Now, here's a couple of disclaimers. Number one is if you are exploring faith, 
So every Sunday, I know we have people here who are exploring faith. Like they haven't crossed the bridge of faith yet. So like, I get that. I understand that. I'm so glad that you, you are here. And you may think like, oh, I came on a bad Sunday. They're talking about sharing your faith. I don't really have that. I think you came on a great Sunday because we're going to talk about the core message of Christianity and how to become a Christ follower. So very important information as you're exploring the faith that you, ha- that you have or maybe that you want to have. Um, so I think today's message can be very beneficial for you if you're just exploring faith. Now, if you are a Christ follower, today's information might feel a little overwhelming, especially if you are new to faith. And I've got a friend of mine, and he says, yeah, that's code that the message is going to be boring and long. Um, so um, hopefully you don't feel that way as we're walking through this. There is a lot of information that we're going to go over today. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible verses. And uh, you might feel like, wow, this is information overload. Um, but here's what I recommend. Number one, take notes. Grab a pen on the backside of our announcement sheet. There's a whole a spot there that you can take notes. I think it's very beneficial whenever the Bible's being taught to take notes. We can go back, we can look at that later in the week, and that helps us marinate our mind in the truth that we're trying to learn. So notes are very important. So if you've got a smartphone, you can take notes there. Um, if you've got a, one of our announcement sheets, you can take notes there. Um, if there's a bald guy sitting next to you, like right on the back of his head or something, like I, I don't know, like find a spot to take notes. It's really important. Um, You could come up here, but I'm a little busy. Um, Next thing I encourage you to do is to listen to this podcast again. Listen to this message again. So we put it on our website. We put it on um, our our podcast. So you can listen to this content again. I think that's very beneficial. It's something that I do on a regular basis. So I listen to to messages all the time. And there are some messages I flag as, like, go back and listen to that again. And so I'll listen to some messages two, three, four times. There's so much truth in there that I need to absorb in my life. So you have the opportunity to listen to this message again. And then the last thing I encourage you to do is take home one of our spiritual growth challenges. So we make available each week a one-page document. It's at our Connection Center. If we run out, they're on our website. You can download them. And on the back side of that form, I've got a summary of everything that we're going to talk about today. Again, it's a summary. So I've got the Bible verses that are there, the key points that are there. So you can have that, use that um, to help you remember what we've talked about today. So Hopefully you are ready for what we're going to do today and the information that we're going to give. So the very first step for Christ followers to learn how to share their faith is to know our faith. So it's super important if we're going to share something about faith, like we need to understand what Christianity teaches. Like, that, like I know that seems like a no brainer, but it, it, it's super important for us to understand the key concepts of Christianity, understand key verses that we can share our faith with. So today we're going to start with the most famous Bible verse probably ever. Can anybody tell me where we're going to start? You've read it before, or you've seen it on a billboard somewhere at a sporting event. So like we've seen John 3.16, but sometimes we don't fully understand John 3.16. So let me explain John 3.16 to you. So here's the context of John 3.16. Jesus was in a conversation with a religious leader. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a respected Jewish leader, teacher. He didn't understand how to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And so what that tells me is we can know a lot about God and still miss out on knowing God. Jesus knew that as he was talking with Nicodemus. 
And so he says like, hey, here's what you need to understand. This is kind of the core context of what Jesus was saying in John 3, get to verse 16. Jesus said, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, there's several key elements from that verse that we need to understand. Number one, God loves the world. Now, we see that verse and like, oh, that sounds nice. And, um, you know, you, we want to, you know, paint that on our wall or, um, you know, maybe get that tattooed on our arm. It just sounds so great. Um, but sometimes we don't understand what that really means. God loves the world. And there are moments that we go like, ah, really? Like the world? Like, ah, like maybe God loves like Christians or people who are super spiritual. Maybe God loves those people. But no, God says he loves the world. So that's you. That's me. That's your friends. It's my friends. That's your neighbors. That's that crazy guy at work that you can't stand. Like you're like, like who loves him? Like nobody loves him. He's a jerk. God loves him. God loves that person. There is not a person on planet earth that you will ever walk past, you will ever lock eyes with for whom God doesn't love and for whom Jesus didn't die. God loves the world, everyone. And God's love prompted him to give to the world. What did he give? He gave his one and only son. He gave the most, his most prized possession his relationship with his perfect, sinless son. And then he watched that perfect, sinless son die for imperfect, sinful people like me, like you. So God's love prompted him to give. And then Jesus said, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So Nicodemus would have said like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's not available to everyone. It's available to the Jews. And not just any Jew, it's available to the Jews who are following the rules. And Nicodemus, as a religious leader, he followed the rules. And he followed the rules very well. They even made up rules to follow God's rules. And so he would mentally argued with Jesus in that moment, like, it's not for everyone. Come on, really? And Jesus said, it's available to everyone everyone. Now, how do we get it? How do we get this amazing gift of eternal life? We get it through belief, through believing what Jesus did for us. Now, so many people, Nicodemus as well, uh, think that we earn our way to heaven. The way that we get a relationship with God, the way that we spend eternity with God is by being good enough. I, I, we, we've got to follow the rules. And again, Nicodemus is like, we made up rules to follow the rules. So it's about being super spiritual. And God says, it's not about that because you can't earn your way there. It's not possible. Isaiah 64, six says this, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. You understand what that means? The, the good stuff that we try to do, like we try to impress God. I mean, God, look at me. Like I've, I've been to church like four weeks in a row. It's awesome. You know, like you should put stars by my name in heaven for attendance. You know, I, I worked at 3G Saturday. Like I'm signed up for 3G Sunday. Like I give money to the church. Like I do all this great stuff. I help little old ladies across the street. Like, isn't that awesome? And God says, you know, all the good stuff you try to do, 
It's like filthy rags. It's not good enough. You can't be good enough to earn a relationship with me. You can't earn it. This is a gift, something that's given. Now think about um, this. If we could, then why would Jesus die on the cross? If, if we could earn salvation, if we can earn uh, our, a spot in heaven, a relationship with God, then Jesus' message would have been this. Try harder. Just try harder. Go to church every Sunday. Read your Bible every day. Uh, pray as often as you can. Do, do uh, as many good things as you possibly can to, to help other people. And one day you'll just be good enough. That's what Jesus' message would have been. His message wasn't that. He said, you can't be good enough. So I will do that for you. I'll die in your place so that you can have this amazing gift. So we can't earn salvation or a relationship with God. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. It doesn't say God saved you by his grace when you were doing a really good job of following him. Doesn't say God saved you by his grace when you were following all the rules. Says God saved you by his grace when you believed. Relationship with God starts with belief. We can't add anything more to it. So God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. I love how God just knows humanity. Like, is it doesn't that sound like us? You know, we start doing some good things, we get this amazing gift, and we start puffing out our chest and going, like, I really did a good job, didn't I? Like, salvation is about me and what I've done. Like, pat me on the back. I've earned something. God goes, like, this isn't about you, about what you can earn. It's not a reward for the good things you've done. It's a gift. It's a gift that's been given. So salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, does that mean we can put our faith in Jesus and live any way that we want? If you're wondering, the answer is no. Like, no, we, we, can't, we can't do that. Um, we'll get back to that in just a minute. So those are the first few, few verses I think are critical for all Christ followers to know. John 3, 16, um, and then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Now, we're gonna look at our next section of verses, and this is called the Romans Road. So this is a way to explain faith to someone who doesn't understand what Christianity teaches. And this is the, the, the path that I typically use, the approach that I typically use when I'm talking with somebody about faith. So there are four verses we're going to look at, and then we're going to look at a few other verses outside of the Romans road to support what we're talking about. So the first verse, Romans 3, 23, says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard." Now, it's another everyone statement, which means everyone. Okay, so in John 3, 16, Jesus said, everyone who believes can have this. And God comes along later in Romans 3, 23, and said, everyone is infected with this thing called sin. And for us today, sin is not a very popular word. We don't like to hear that. It's a little offensive. Like, who do you say that I'm a sinner? I mean, I mean it may not be perfect, but I'm a whole lot better than that person or that person, or maybe even you. Um, you know, like, we don't like to hear anybody call us a sinner, but God does. God says, guess what? You've messed up in big ways or small ways. And it doesn't matter how small it is or how big it is, you've sinned. You're, so that makes you, that makes me, sinners. And then the next verse is Romans 6.23. So the first part of 623 says, the wages of sin is, say it out loud, death. death. 
All right, and when I'm talking with somebody about faith, I, I typically have them read these verses. So I flip my Bible open, or if I have my, my phone with me, I'll pull that up and I'll have them read it. Say, so, okay, read Romans 3.23, please. They read that. Say, so, now read Romans 6.23. And then I stop right there and there's this like pregnant pause I try to create. Wages of sin is death. What's that mean? I deserve to die for the sins that I've committed. Sometimes people want to pull out of the conversation right there. Like, ah, I don't believe that. Come on. I mean, I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm better than all these other people. I mean, like, why would God, you know, have me die for the, the little things that I've done? But that verse continues, so we can't stop there. Okay, so that verse continues, and it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Again, it's a free gift. It costs us nothing, but it costs God everything. Romans 5.8. Third verse in the Romans road says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. Here's what's so profound about that. Go back into the, the good works conversation. It's not about us being good enough. So Jesus didn't die when we were following the rules. He didn't show up and say, oh, I'll die there. They're doing a really good job. So let me die for them. No, he showed up to die when all of us were shaking our little fist at him, sticking our little finger in his face and saying, you leave me alone. You're not the boss of me. I'll do what I want when I want. That's when Jesus died for us. That's so incredibly profound. Where Jesus would say, like you're rejecting me right now in this moment, but I love you. And my love prompts me to give. And so what am I gonna give? My life for you. Do you deserve it? Nope. That's what makes Christianity so amazingly profound. And then Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, saved is a word that's connected with salvation. Saved means this, this, this concept of being saved from hell, being saved for heaven. It's about starting a relationship with, with God that lasts forever. And this verse is kind of where we get that concept of guiding someone through a salvation prayer, a prayer, an opportunity for us to confess with our mouth something that we believe in our heart. So we're gonna get back to a salvation prayer in, in just a moment. Now there's one more key part of salvation that I think that we all need to understand. It's found in Acts chapter three, verse 19. So this is the apostle Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples. He's talking with a group of, of Jews and he's trying to help them understand what they need to do to start a relationship with God that'll last forever. So he says this, he says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. That was Jesus' primary message on planet earth. It was a primary thing that he would go around telling people in his ministry. And we find that in Matthew 4, verse 17. So here's Jesus' message. He would just go around with this mission and this message for everybody to hear. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. There are three key elements to faith in God, to a relationship with God that lasts forever. The first is belief. We have to believe what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for us so that we can live. So our belief should then lead to the second part, and that is repentance. So we should repent 
of the things that we have done wrong, that the sin, the stuff that separate us from our relationship with God. So repenting is saying like, I am sorry for what I've done. So what I'm doing is I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm going to turn to God. That's what repentance basically means, turning from and turning to. So belief should lead to repentance. Repentance should lead to action. That's the third part. So our lives should prove the decision that we've made, the the thing that we believe, and the repentance that we have done. Listen to Luke chapter 3, verse 8. It says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. So we need to prove it. We need to prove our decision, the belief that we have, and we need to prove the repentance that we have made. Now, does that mean that when we become Christ followers, we will be perfect and never sin again? Your, your chuckles give the answer away. No, that's not what that means. You, this, you know, this probably won't be shocking, but the more you know me, it really isn't shocking. I sin every day. Like I struggle with this thing called sin. The apostle Paul said that in Romans 7. He says, man, there's things I want to do. I don't do those things. There's things I don't want to do. I do those things. Like who's that talking about? Me. That's me. That's my struggle with sin. That's your struggle with sin. Then Romans 8, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible starts with the very first verse. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? There are moments I just swim in that all day long. Like, like God, I just need your grace today. Who can save us from us? Jesus can. And then that chapter, chapter eight goes on to tell us, you know what? We don't have to be stuck in sin the rest of our lives. We can actually learn how to overcome some of the sins in our lives. And the Holy Spirit helps us do that. So does that mean we're gonna live perfect lives? No, it doesn't mean we're gonna live perfect lives. But what we do when we mess up is we fix it. That's what Christ followers do. I say hurtful things to my wife. What's my responsibility? Apologize and fix it. Work hard at not doing that again. When I say hurtful things to my kids, what's my responsibility as a Christ follower? Go to my kids and say, I'm so sorry I said that. Will you forgive me? And then work on fixing that. Work on on becoming more like Jesus every day. So we're not going to live these perfect lives. But the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and he empowers us to live more and more like Jesus. So those are some critical verses for us to understand when we're trying to share our faith with other people. And there's some critical things that we need to know. So belief, our belief, should lead to repentance and repentance should lead to to action. Our lives should be constantly changing, growing to look more and more like Jesus. Okay, so the first part of sharing our faith is knowing our faith. The second part is knowing our audience. So who are you talking to? Like, who are you trying to share your faith with? Who is it? Is it somebody at work, somebody at home, somebody at school, classmate, teammate? Like, who are you trying to share your faith with? And what's their story? What do they believe about faith? You know, what's their religious background? Do they have a religious background or not? If they do have a religious background, what kind of religious background? We should approach people differently based upon the information that they have in their lives and based upon what they believe. So if I'm talking with somebody that has a specific background, 
uh, a religious background, I talk to them in a certain way. When I come across somebody else who has a different kind of religious background, I t- approach them differently to help build a bridge and get them to what uh, scripture teaches. Somebody says, well, I don't have any religious background. I approach them differently based upon that information to help them understand what scripture teaches. So we need to know our audience. It's really important to know how to, how to do that and leverage th- that information to help people come to be more like Jesus. Now, the apostle Paul modeled that for us. Um, in several different ways. And he modeled that for us when he was talking with um, Christ followers or when he was talking with, with Jews at that time. And the apostle Peter did that very well. When he was talking with some of the Jews right after Jesus' resurrection, he would say to them, the Jesus you crucified, that's our savior. I mean, he's very bold and blunt as he was talking with people that had the faith system that he had. And he was trying to help them understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the apostle Paul, When he was talking with Gentiles, those are non-Jews, he had a different approach. So listen to that approach he had in Acts chapter 17. It was very interesting to watch how Paul interacted with this group of people in Athens. So let me tell you about the Athenians before we read these verses. So the Athenians were very spiritual people. They worshiped every God that they could find. Like if somebody came along and said, hey, there's a new God you're not worshiping, like they wanted to worship that God too. They wanted to include all the gods out there and they didn't want to upset any God. They were afraid if we upset any God out there, we're going to be in trouble. So they even had a, an altar or a shrine to an unknown God, just in case. Let's just cover, cover all of our bases, just in case there's some God we're not aware of out there. We can say, hey, we're worshiping you too. We just called you the unknown God. So Paul leveraged that information to help some of them meet the one true God. So listen to how he did that. In Acts chapter 17, starting verse 22, he got the opportunity to speak with some of their city leaders. And he said this, he said, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. So Paul is learning about his audience. He's learning about their beliefs. What do they believe? And how do I help them go from their beliefs to what scripture teaches? And so he observes, gathers this data and he uses that in their conversation. He says, this God whom you worship without even knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is, the God you, you, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need from one man. He created all the nations throughout the whole earth and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And we're gonna pause there. Um, uh, Paul went on to explain that it's about repenting turning from their sins and starting a relationship with the creator of the universe by turning to him. So he used the information that he gathered about his audience to build a bridge from what they believed to what scripture teaches. And verse 34 says, some of them became believers. Some of them put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and savior in that moment after that conversation that Paul used to know their, their, their background and to help build a bridge towards faith. Now, did everybody put their faith in him in that, in that moment? No, not everybody. 
but some of them did, and it was because Paul knew his audience. So it's very important for us to know our audience and ask questions about them. Sometimes we're not as good at, at that. Sometimes we talk more than we, than we should. We need to listen a little bit more. We need to ask questions. We need to gather data, and we need to use that information to build bridges to help people understand what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so to share our faith, first thing we have to do is know our faith, then we have to know our audience, and the third thing is we have to share our faith. So we actually have to practice this thing. We have to like know scripture, we have to know what God has done for us, we have to know what Christianity teaches, and then we have to get out there and practice, 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 practice. That's how we learn is by actually doing this. Now, um, I've been a Christ follower for a number of years in my life, and I've had some, some practice at it, and I actually started sharing my faith. I think I was about eight or nine years old when I first shared my faith. And you may hear that and go like, what did you know at eight or nine about sharing faith? And the answer is nothing. Not, not at all, but I did it. So a friend of mine and I were uh, out playing one day, and I'm not sure how we got into this conversation about God and Christianity and Jesus and, and what he did on the cross for us, but my friend said that he hadn't put his faith in Jesus. So my response was, are you stupid? Like Jesus died for you and you don't believe in him? What's wrong with you? Now, I don't recommend that, okay? It's not a great strategy, um, not very helpful to people, you know, to help them, you know, find, find Jesus. My friend in that moment put his faith in Jesus. I'm not really sure if that was just to get me off his back or, or what, and I think my mom had a very interesting conversation with his mom later. Um, so we've got to learn from our sharing experiences and learn things not to do like that, and we've got to learn things to do. So another experience I had was in high school. So I was in high school, I was talking with a classmate that had another faith system. And so we decided one day that we were going to debate each other. And I said, listen, I'm just gonna prove to you that Christianity is, is uh, better than your faith. And uh, this person said basically the same thing. And so we said, oh, great, let's talk about it. So we made an appointment, we set a, a, a time that we were gonna talk on the phone. So that time came, I called her up and said, all right, let's start. Now, here's a summary of our interaction. She kicked my spiritual butt. I mean, she just pummeled me. She, she knew so much about her belief system, and I knew so little about my belief system. I walked away from that conversation black and blue spiritually and going like, I just got beat up by a little girl. Like, this is terrible. So what I determined at that moment was, that's not going to happen again. That was humbling. Like, that's terrible. So I've, to, I've got to learn about my faith. I don't know enough about my faith to, to actually share my faith with other people. So I spent time learning and reading scripture, talking with other people, practicing it. And there were moments I'm like, oh, that was dumb. I didn't do that very well. well let me learn next time. So next time I would, I would get a little better at it and a few more conversations. So through the years, I've had multiple conversations with people about faith. And I've learned a few ways to, to talk to people about faith. So we've got to practice, practice, practice. And sometimes we're afraid of that. And like, man, I'm gonna learn information, but I don't know that I want to go out there and share my faith. If we don't learn how to share our faith, if we don't learn how to use our words, we're not going to be able to help people find faith in Jesus Christ. So we have got to do that. That's a responsibility that God has given all of us. If you are a Christ follower. Now here's the fun of learning and the fun of talking with different people. Every once in a while, I know this is going to sound shocking, but every once in a while, you're going to talk to somebody who is defensive about faith or argumentative about faith. Like they want to fight 
I know it's hard to believe that people would fight over religion, um, but it does happen. So what do you do in those moments? Like you're having a conversation and somebody gets like bowed up and angry and what about this and what about that? And they're trying to win the argument. My recommendation is to love them towards Christ. Don't try to out-debate them. You're not gonna win somebody to Jesus because you won an argument. You might lose the relationship out of that. Now, should we be prepared to share? Absolutely. Scripture says we should be able to defend our faith. We should be able to stand on Scripture, Scripture that we can look to and, and find verses that, that, that back up what we're talking about in that conversation. But we're not gonna win people to Jesus because we out-debated them. We're gonna win people to Jesus because we love them in that direction. And through our love, I think maybe we can open up the possibility that somebody would go, like, okay, let's talk about it a little bit more. Let's talk about it at a deeper level. So I love to engage deeper conversations with people about faith, but if someone wants to argue about it, I'm not all that interested in arguing. I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll go back and forth. I'll show verses, but I'm not gonna get into an argument. I'm not gonna get into a bait. I'm not gonna get all red-faced and, and hot in the head and, and then call somebody stupid. So we've got to let our life prove to people. We gotta love them in that direction. It's incredibly important. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. God wants our lives to show what we believe for people to see it, not just in our words, but in how we live. So that's important. Now, some of us are afraid that when we're in a conversation, someone's going to ask us a question that we don't have an answer for. And then we're going to feel um, like, oh, like I should have known that. And so that'll keep us from potentially sharing our faith. So here's what I do in those kind of situations. Somebody asks a question, says like, hey, well, what about this? If I don't know an answer, I say, great question. Uh, let, me, let me do some research. Let me f- do some Bible study. Let me talk with some people that have more experience in Christianity than I do, and I will get back with you. Can we talk next week? Let's talk next week about that, and then find a biblical answer and come back next week and follow up. So the following week, next time I see him, like, hey, I got an answer for you, and let's, let's talk about that again. So I don't think we should be afraid of questions that people ask. So if somebody asks, great. When you go find an answer, guess what? You get an answer, they get an answer, and you're prepared next time for when that subject comes up. And and, uh, um, let me explain something here. Uh, There aren't that many different questions. It's not like people are coming up with questions that have never been heard before. When we were preparing for this series, your questions, uh, biblical answers, I could have guessed three of the questions you were gonna ask. Why? Because those are questions that are asked all the time. Um, And in my journey of sharing faith with people, I hear some of them again and again and again. So when we learn how to answer those questions, next time it comes up, it's like, I've got some experience in this one, so I think I can answer that one. You get one that you're not sure of, do some research, and then you can add that to the information you have as you are sharing your faith with people. So don't be afraid of questions. Um, Some of you ask this question, how do I interact with somebody who says, I don't believe anymore? I used to believe, but I don't believe now. Sometimes that's a family member. That's a difficult one, very difficult. Sometimes that's a friend, sometimes that's a coworker. Um, And what I do in those situations is I ask questions. How'd they get to that spot? Like what happened? What happened in their journey? What happened for them to walk away from faith or to believe that there isn't faith that they can hold on to? Um, So we create a conversation. 
And I'll go as deep in that conversation as people will let me. And if they get to a spot, I'm like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Then I shift approaches and I let my life shine for them. I honor their request to not talk about it in that moment. I'm not going to you know, badger them into heaven. I'm going to let my life shine. Here's what I believe. Everybody is one crisis away from putting their faith in Jesus. One crisis away. So where do I want to be? Where, where should we be when that person has their crisis that, that they are ready for Jesus? Close by. And where are they going to turn when they go like, I need something. I don't know what it is. I need something spiritual. God, I need, I need help. Who do I turn to? Maybe they'll turn to you. Maybe they'll turn to me and go like, that person's lived their life to point me towards Jesus. Like I, I see that consistent thing. They don't badger me all the time. They don't beat me over the head every time I see them at work. Maybe I'll go have a conversation with them. So we need to be available and ready to help everybody cross that bridge of faith. And everybody, I think, is just one crisis away from that. All right, now let's just say we've done all of our work. All right, so we've prepared, we, we've learned Bible verses, we're ready, and then we get to this really scary moment. And that person says, okay, what do I need to do? Like, I, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want what you have. How do I become a Christ follower? So your answer shouldn't be, come to church and let my pastor talk to you. Like, it's great if you say that, because I, I love to talk to people about that. But like, if, if you've got somebody and they're there ready to put their faith in Jesus, help them do that. You can do that. You just got to learn how to do that. So here's what I recommend in that moment. I recommend guiding people through what I call the ABC prayer of salvation. Now, I know that sounds like an infomercial, but it's not, okay? It's not on sale today for $19.95. And if you, you know, send two in right now that you get an extra prayer for free. So it's just a simple way for us to understand what the core doctrine of Christianity teaches. This is a way for people to confess with their mouth the decision they've made in their heart. Here's an interesting thing. Sometimes people ask, well, is that in the Bible? Where's the prayer of salvation in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. In this context, there's no specific Bible verse that we can turn to that lays it out like this. But what Christians have done is we've created this. We've drawn from scripture the core elements of what it means to be a Christ follower and made it in a way that we can confess with our mouth the decision that we've made in our heart. So just because it's, it's not in the Bible in this context, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with guiding people through a prayer of salvation. Uh, that has helped millions of people start a relationship with Jesus Christ that lasts forever. So here is the ABC prayer of salvation. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. The first line is critical. You know, we have to admit that we're sinners. If we're not sinners, why would we need a savior? That's why Jesus came. He was a savior to, who came to die for us. So we need a savior, which means we're sinners. So we, we admit, God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe Jesus is that savior and he died so I can live. And I'm asking him to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. That's like, like I'm turning, I'm repenting. I'm turning from this stuff and I'm turning to you. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. Now, these are just words. So if you read that every day in your life and don't mean it, that doesn't mean you're a Christ follower. 
That's not how we start a relationship with the creator of the universe that lasts forever. It's the belief in our heart behind these words. That's what God cares about. When we say, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I gotta turn from that. I gotta turn to you. That's how we start a relationship with the creator of the universe. Again, these are just humble words. But if we believe them, truly believe them, then we live that out, that's how we begin that relationship with God that lasts forever. Now, when I'm guiding somebody through that prayer of salvation, I do several things. I'll get to that spot and I'll read that to them and I'll say, do you believe this? And if they say, yes, I do. So would you like to pray this right now? Would you like to put your faith in Jesus right now in this moment? If they say yes, then I ask them, would you like me to guide you through this prayer or do you wanna pray on your own? And most often people say, would you guide me through that prayer? You know, maybe that's the first time they've ever prayed before and they're not really sure and they kind of need somebody to hold their hand. Great, I'll hold your hand across that bridge. And so how I do that is I pray it sentence by sentence. I say, listen, I'm gonna pray the first sentence and I want you to pray that out loud. Then I'm gonna pray the second sentence and I ask you to pray that out loud. Again, I tell them, these are just words. But if you really believe this, this is how to cross that bridge of faith. And so we'll pray and I'll pray sentence by sentence and they'll repeat it out loud. Now, if they say, I wanna pray by myself, like I wanna talk to God in my own words, great. Pray out loud. I ask them to pray out loud and then I pray out loud after them and I thank God for the decision that they have made. And when, when they cross that bridge, when they put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that means in that moment, they're saved. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in their lives and they have begun a relationship with God that will last forever. Now, the next step is critical. Sometimes what we do in that moment is we say, great, you're saved, good luck. And we leave people to themselves and we wonder why their faith struggles. So we need to help them grow their faith. Two very important things for all of us as we're growing our faith. Number one is reading the Bible. So we need to get those people a Bible. And I, I recommend that everybody start, if you're new to faith, start in the book of John. In the book of John, you'll get very well acquainted with Jesus. So get them a Bible. We've got Bibles at the back of each seating section. They are our free gift to you. Whether you use it for you or you're taking it to somebody at work or taking it to somebody you wanna give to. Somebody after the first service told me they were mailing one uh, to a friend in another state. Great, take a Bible and get it to them. Earmark the book of John for them. If they've crossed that bridge of faith, they need to meet Jesus better. They need to get more acquainted with Jesus. The second thing I encourage people to do is to get connected in a church family. So invite them to church. If they live locally, invite them to come here. If they're in another state, help them find a church that can help them grow in their faith. Those are critical steps when it comes to growing as Christ followers. All right, how's everybody doing? You okay? I'm almost done. I know it's a lot of information today. I, I really understand. And, and some of you, if you're new to faith, you may be thinking like, wow, too much. Like, I don't know that I can swallow all this. Um, what I recommend is our spiritual growth challenge. Pick that up before you leave. On the back's got the summary. You can download it from our website if there's not enough available. Read through it all week long. Make yourself familiar with the Bible verses and the concepts that we were talking about and practice. We have to practice, practice, practice sharing our faith. If you need to listen to this message again, you can. Now, I'm gonna close us out here in just a minute and our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna guide us through a closing song. And what I encourage you to do during this closing song is answer this question. If you're a Christ follower, who do you need to share your faith with? God wants you to share your faith. 
So who do you need to share your faith with? Who around you needs to hear about the faith that you have? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it someone at school? Who is it? God placed them around you to be a light for them, to help them build a bridge and understand what Jesus has done for them. So who do you need to share your faith with? Um, my dad died a number of years ago, but he told me about this interaction that he had with a, a college friend. My dad wanted to share his faith with him, but he, he just struggled with it. He was afraid, like, ah, this guy's going to think I'm wacko, and he might ask questions I don't have answers for. Like, I'm not, I'm not so sure. And so there was a long period of time my dad didn't share his faith with a really good friend of his. And then finally, he mustered up all the courage, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to share my faith. And he shared his faith, and that guy put his faith and trust in Jesus in that moment. And he asked my dad after that a question that haunted my dad the rest of his life, and it has haunted me and it'll probably haunt me the rest of my life. And the guy asked my dad this. He said, what took you so long? He said, do you understand if I would have died before you shared your faith with me, I'll spend eternity in hell apart from the God who loves me. What took you so long? And that prompted my dad to share his faith with as many people as he possibly could and to leverage every moment. And I think we need to do the same thing. So who do you need to share your faith with? Don't be afraid. about. I don't have enough information. I don't know enough about the Bible. Start sharing your faith. Tell people what Jesus has done for you. Learn Bible verses. Learn how to share your faith. That's how we grow. And the greatest gift that we could ever give anybody is how to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. So I'm going to pray. And then during this song, I encourage you to answer that question. Who do you need to share your faith with? Pray for them. Pray for yourself and pray for an opportunity this week to do that. Let's all stand together and uh, we'll close out in prayer. So God, thank you for all the information that we've gone over today. Lord, uh, we've just scratched the surface on this subject and there's just so much for, for us to know when it comes to sharing our faith. And one of the greatest assignments that you give us, Jesus, and before you left planet Earth, you gathered your, your followers together and you said, go into all the world, make disciples. That means that we gotta go and tell people about you. And God, you'll do the work of working in people's lives, but we have to know the information. We have to know what you have done for us. We have to know what scripture teaches. We have to know key Bible verses that, that can help somebody else cross a bridge of faith and understand how profound Christianity is. Hey, Jesus, you died for us. We deserve death, but you took that death for us to demonstrate your incredible love. So we, we've got to be able to help other people understand that. So we have to know our faith. And then, God, we have to know our audience, who pe the people that we're trying to share our faith with. We've got to know them. We've got to get to know their story, their beliefs, and where they're at. And we have to use that information to help them build a bridge towards faith in you. And, God, we need practice we need practice. We need lots of practice. We need your help. And Lord, some of us are, are afraid to do this. But Lord, there are all kinds of opportunities every day and every week for us to share our faith in, in big ways and small ways. So Lord, keep our eyes open to those opportunities. And, and right now, Lord, people are thinking about a person who needs to know about you. I pray for those people. God, I pray that you would soften their hearts 
I pray that you would get them to the spot where they would understand that incredible gift of eternal life is available to them and they would want that. And I pray for us, Lord, as we go and share our faith, Lord, that first we would live our faith. It would be a real thing. People would look at our lives and go, oh, you really believe what you say you believe because you live it. Give us the words, Lord. Give us the boldness. Teach us how to do this how to share the most important gift we could ever give anyone. Send us out to a world that desperately needs to know about you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have disappeared behind the curtain and come back as a totally new person, so pretend like I'm different. Great to see you guys this morning. Welcome to Epic Church. If you're new with us, my name is Evan. I'm on staff here at Epic, and we are excited that you guys are here today. We are wrapping up our question and answer series, so we're really excited for today's content. If you are new with us, we would love a chance to meet you. So on your way out, you'll notice a little table on the right-hand side called Connection Center. We'd love a chance to shake your hand, meet you face-to-face, and tell you a little about who we are and what we're doing here in Flagler County. So please stop by and give us a chance to say hi. It'd be great to meet you this morning. Guys, next week is Mother's Day. Are you ready? Did you know? Hopefully you knew. We're giving you a week's notice. So next week is Mother's Day, and we love to celebrate parenthood. We love to celebrate mothers. They are our unspoken heroes on our day-to-day lives, and so we're excited about next week. We're excited to celebrate together. Part of what we're going to do next week is help create some memories for your family. So If you are a mom or you have a mom and you want to bring them next week, we're going to set up a couple of photo booths outside, weather permitting, and we're going to take some pictures with you guys so that you have some pictures of your family coming to church together, which would be kind of cool. So next week, look for those outside. You can stop. There'll be some fun props. So it'll be a good time. And we'll make sure we take them with your phone so you can take them home immediately with you and you can do whatever you want with them. And that way we're not trying to get them to you like six months down the road. So bring your phones next week. We're excited about that. Now, along with Mother's Day, what we tend to do is a child dedication. So next week, we'll be doing a child dedication for anybody who would like to bring their children up and dedicate to raising them like God would have them be raised. So it's child dedication and a parent dedication. So if you have a new kid and you would like to be part of that, go on to our website, theepicchurch.com. Fill out the form that you find there, and we'll reach out to you this week with all the details for that. So that's next Sunday, our child dedication during Mother's Day. Now, if you call Epic your home and you want to take part in what we're doing here at Flagler County, one of the things that you can do is partner with us financially. The things that happen in our county, like 3G Saturday a couple of weeks ago, that happens because you guys are so generous and you allow us to reach out and make a difference in the lives of the people who live here. So if you want to partner with us or continue to partner with us, you can give in the giving boxes behind each of the seating sections, or you can go online, give securely, theepicchurch.com, and help make a difference in Flagler County. Now, they were really nice this morning. That's all I have to talk about. So watch this video, and Trent will be right out, and we'll continue with our service.